0: You are listening to Three Valleys Radio.
5: And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock
6: slams it in.
2: There's Lindergaard making Forrest backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Forrest, it by the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. he could win it! He probably has won it for Yeovil!
5: Oh,
3: and it's an open.
6: Stansfield, good turn away from John,
3: goal!
1: Hello, how are you? Welcome to another episode of the Glover's Cast. Before myself, Ben and Dave get chatting, uh, I've asked for some uh, listeners to send in their thoughts on Tuesday night and our first night at Hewish Park for 444 days. Um so before we get into our conversation you can listen to the thoughts of Elliot Watts, Chris Fox, Mike Hudson and Jake Gallagher. Uh thank you for sending those in. Really appreciate it. Um yeah, enjoy this little section before we get into the nitty gritty. And tonight we've got a special guest on the podcast uh, Mr. James Healy, uh, former press officer at Yeo Town and we are going to be talking about the playoff season. Uh, the anniversary of which we celebrated this week. So yes, uh, enjoy this little tidbit and see you on the other side.
0: It was so good being back at Hewish Park on Tuesday night after such a long delay um, Four hundred and forty-four days since a live game was played there, um, it felt so normal but not normal at the same time. I've got to say, fair play to the club—they did everything fantastically. You knew what you needed to do, where you needed to go. Everything was signposted brilliantly, and all the fans were really respectful to everything that was in place. I thought it was—I thought it was great just to be at a football game with my friends again to watch a match, to discuss opinions in the person um, rather than over social media or via text message was fantastic. And the fourth-minute applause for Lee Collins was pretty special. Got to say credit to Tom Knowles for going down with his injury. say the fans could applaud with the players and the players applaud with the fans because they were they were applauding mid match. The keeper, Dickinson, all of them were just were were not focusing on the game at that point in time. Or they were, but they were focusing on the applause as well. And it was a very emotional moment. Um I'm lucky not to get a win, but just great to be back at Hewish Park.
6: It was really good to be back at Ewish Park, uh for the first time in four hundred odd days. Uh really emotional night, especially uh in the fourth minute where a spontaneous applause uh, happened for Lee Collins. That was really great touch from all the fans. Uh, football thought it was really good. Um, haven't seen a lot of the lot of the Oval, to be honest uh, since the start of lockdown. Uh, I thought we played really well. Some really good positives coming out of the game last night. Felt Tom Knowles. Um, Nurfil was good before he tired. Um, I was really impressed with Joe Quigley's hold-up play, but for me, the man in the match was Charlie Lee. Uh, even at the ripe old age, he is, Um, although I am holding him, and so is Coatsy for that matter. Uh, I thought he was outstanding, and he was probably the best player on the pitch. Uh, roll on, next game against Stockport.
3: Hi, my name's Mike Hudson, big fan of the Glovers cast and the work you three boys are doing, so keep it up. Uh, I was at the game on Tuesday and it felt so amazing to be back. It's felt like the longest time and it's hard to actually put into words just how good it felt to be back at Hewish Park. But, you know, going through their pre-match routine, uh, jumping in the car, doing the 40-minute journey, which it is for me, listening to the pre-match playlist, turning up at the stadium and seeing fans. Um, even those little two minute interaction with the stewards that I was so used to on 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 a weekly basis or every other week basis, and just seeing those faces again and having that chat was just was just amazing. Um, hearing the sound of the turnstile as you walk in uh, got there nice and early and stood in the terrace and watched as fifteen hundred fans or whatever it was uh, filled the place and and It was just incredible to hear the fans back that that roar as the players came out, uh, seeing those players in the flesh that had been. Uh, So great for us this season Um, in a really difficult season, those players that brought a bit of life and hope, you know, Tom Knowles, Josh Neufeld, Billy Sass Davies and others, seeing them in the flesh was just incredible. And then of course, that really special moment uh, in the fourth minute for Lee Collins was just absolutely spine tingling. Um, And it felt for me like a massive part of, of my processing journey of that whole tragedy, just being, being there and sharing that moment with, with other fans, with the players, with the management was just absolutely incredible. And, The only other thing I would say is uh, it's been a horrendous 444 days uh, waiting to be back in Hewish Park. But if there was one positive to bring from it, it's that uh, Tuesday night uh, felt like being back there for the first time, that moment where I fell in love with Yeovil Town for the first time. Um, So, yeah, it was absolutely incredible.
2: How good was it to be back at Hewish Park? Yeah, Uh, what a feeling. I didn't actually realise how choked up I'd be. Um, hearing the noise of the fans when the players walked out it was a really emotional moment I just didn't really think it would, it would hit me like that and and it did and I think then the fourth minute came for, for Lee Collins of course and I was sat in the screw fix stand everybody rose to their feet in applause um, it's funny in the game we had a player down injured at the time who was receiving treatment so the whole ground was applauding Lee and then both sets of players joined in with the applause as well and that was really, that was a lump in the throat moment and I think a lot of people were ever looking around at each other, everyone everyone feeling the same there. Um, and then the game, it's a shame we waited over like 400 odd days for a nil nil on Tuesday night in the pissing rain. Um, you could probably guaranteed that, that was going to happen, let's face it. I think if Charlie Lee's volley goes in... Uh, in the second half that makes the weight all worth it um he he played really well actually Charlie Lee um he was up against a fella for Maidenhead he's about seven foot eight Rowan Inch he's absolutely massive and I thought Charlie would be in for a bit of a torrid time but he played really well um and he actually megged him in 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 the middle of the park run rings around him he he played really nicely another player I really like was Michael Kelly at right back Good player. I think he's a leader, he was organising at corners, got nice technique, really tidy player. Um I like I like the look of him. Um the ref was absolutely terrible. I've just watched Sal's interview on, on, on the YouTube channel and he mentioned what the ref said to him after he sent off sent off the player. I think I think the ref was a classic example of someone who's never played the game. Like I reckon if you said to him who's the England captain, he wouldn't know who Harry Kane is. Um he's He's not a football fan, that guy. Um, yeah, but overall, good to be back. Uh good good to be supporting the lads, feel part of the community again. It's even great to be learning about the referees. Uh cheers, lads.
1: Right, joining us on the Glovers cast this evening. Uh, we've got Ben and Dave as per the the, the furniture. And um, we've also got Mr. James Healy. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. Oh, <that> nice. <laughs> Welcome oh, to the Glovers' what, cast. What, what <laughs> piece of furniture is he? <laughs>
7: a, a, a nice uh, chaise lounge, I would say. Yeah. We had Sunupe last week, so now we've got a chaise lounge or a, a gym uh, a bidet. All
8: right. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
5: <laughs> solid right. solid start
7: solid I'm, intro.
1: I'm going to let Ben take over cuz uh this is Take Ben's... over. Yeah. Take over.
7: <laughs> yeah, um, go on Ben. You can charge anyway.
5: <laughs> always always. We've yeah. we've we've had the idea of having Jim on for a little while now. Jim goes way back with Yeovil Town Football Club. Don't you Jim. How long were you officially proper actual media officer
4: for? Um I initially started when we won promotion to nationwide Division Three, and I was there then as like assistant for it was three seasons, and then left to go to Screwfix, uh, and then worked at Screwfix for eighteen months, and uh, then to Bristol City followed Gary, and then rejoined the Oval in two thousand and twelve. Um, on a freelance basis because I was self-employed. Uh, so I was doing like two days a week, helping out, and then went full-time towards the end of 2012. So, so quite a while.
5: Yeah, so this week obviously was the anniversary, the on this day of Wembley 2013, a season, a moment, a time that none of us, no Town fan will ever will ever forget. Tell the grandkids about stuff. It was it was just magical. And we thought you probably had, Jim, the best seat in the house for just about all of it the whole way through. And so we thought for this week, for the anniversary, we've got to get Jim on to tell us what it was like sitting literally best seat in the house front row for all of it. Right from the very start, because like you say, so you you rejoined that summer, didn't you? So yeah, when did it start? Um,
4: yeah, just before the start of the season. So I wasn't actually in the office at the club. So I was working from home. Uh, so Adrian would send me copy or whatever for um, for the website and doing videos and things like that from from up here. But going down maybe once a week uh, into the office just to pick pick stuff up. But yeah, covering all the games though, which was obviously when you're working for football it's what you build up to.
5: Yeah. So when it came to that, season then when you when you got the call from from adrian from whoever saying i need a bit of help what were you expecting of that season were you thinking because you could mean you're you're a Yovel fan you're a Yovel guy you've you've been there you've seen huge success you would have followed it you would have understood the context of the season we were going into what were you thinking for that season
4: um probably as a fan i would have been happy with mid-table but as the season progressed, uh, when we got to the new year and then went on that winning run in January, February, you thought, hang on, it's something special building here. Um, and knowing the team uh, and got to know them better, the team spirit was, I mean, people always say it, like it's a massive, massive factor to winning games Is the team spirit, the dressing room. Uh, working in football for nearly 15 years, that has to be the best dressing room. Without a doubt, I've ever worked like with or got to know. Everyone in there was was were, were mates. Um, I've been, I mean, at Bristol City, I was there for a while. There was always some outsiders, uh, but with that squad, you never felt that there was any outsiders in there. They were generally as one, and to be part of that, you could like, yeah, they were generally mates, and I felt part of that as well because, like. Dressing rooms a bit separate from the staff. if that makes sense? So, like the, the office staff are a little bit distance away from the planes playing side. But with that team, they involved you with everything as well. So like, it generally felt as one club. I don't know if that's really answered your question, but um, that's how it felt going into that. Like as we went through the season, it built up more and more and more. Um, but I say at the start of the season, I think most people would have accepted maybe not going down or, or mid-table. But the further we got into it, the more you thought we're, we're doing something special here.
5: So do you remember there being a point in time where you kind of raised the eyebrows of, hang on, something is happening? Because I've just been looking through the the, the results there and i said it a few times. The away day at Scunthorpe, four games in, very, very early, I remember starting to think I need to start keeping hold of things. I need to start, Finding bits of paper and 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 cut stuff out. I've I've got a huge folder here of stuff from the season, and it goes right back to that. And did it take a little bit longer for you and the team to kind of get that same that same feeling of something is happening? Because it wasn't long after that we went on a horrible run of losses. Of course, we lost six in a row, barely barely scoring a goal throughout September.
4: Yeah, I think the the September, you thought, oh crap, here we go. but it, always in the back of my mind, you, I just I don't know what it was. It was It's hard to, like, describe. There was something in the back of my mind. I think, there's something special building. As I said before, like, when we got to the new year, that's when we thought, hang on, yeah, we're going somewhere here. This is looking good. But as you say, September, it didn't look so rosy. Uh, that Scunthorpe one, was that when it was raining?
5: It was raining, but it was absolutely glorious sunshine at the same time.
4: It yeah, was ridiculous. Weird, at, the end, it? at the
5: end of the game, it was hammering it down, and there's yeah. there's images and videos of Gauzy Ugwu popping the fourth goal in.
8: Yeah.
4: It is
5: absolute glorious sunshine, but it's hammering it down hammering. at the same time.
4: Yeah, it's so yeah, strange. It was, um, yeah, that game is a decent one actually. Um, but yeah, it's, um I've lost all train of thought. What I was just about to say there, I was. <laughs> I was thinking about the weather and looking out of my window here. Beautiful, how windy it actually is. I tell you what, thought. let me throw
5: it. Let me throw it to you, Dave. You and I did a fair few local away days. I remember going to Preston in that in that run. Actually, we did the um, we did the Preston away. Dave, were you home end or away end for that one? Just.
7: <laughs> I was uh, I was in the home end when I went down to the to the home game against Preston oh, okay, uh, yeah. later in the season and we won three one. But the the reason why I would never darken the home end at Deepdale for that game was that they had won Graham Westley as manager, if I remember okay. rightly. And yeah. if I remember, the most glorious moment of all uh, when we beat him three one at our place later in the season, probably just after the New Year, uh, he got sacked the day after. Oh, and that was that was worth the drive down and the drive back from Preston. Was that uh, just when we to were, see that man get sacked?
1: Was that when we were chatting,
7: Gary? Do you hate Wesley, or was that the season before? Was he at Stevenage? I Ridge? think that might have been the season before when he was at Stevenage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that. They, the the Preston fans hated him a lot more because <laughs> they had <laughs> their banners and all sorts. But uh, yeah. As uh, I called what Connor Smith and Nobbed the other week, didn't I? And Gray Wesley, blimey, he invented the word that man. <laughs> yeah,
4: couldn't agree more.
7: <laughs> yeah,
4: because the Preston away game that was um, Dan Burns' first game, I think, wasn't it?
7: Yeah, and he
5: got. Oh, could have been He he, he, he had a heck at of it. He scored at both ends within about a minute of each other. Yeah, didn't he? yeah, yeah, yeah. Eighty-six, eighty-seven. So, there you go. Ed Upson got sent off. Yeah, crack I I, yeah, I, I, no, I that didn't was remember a, the break.
4: I think Dan was a big signing as well for us, obviously, because he played pretty much every game. And him and Webby at the back built a great partnership.
7: And he was big. He was He was huge. big. Very big. <laughs> and, a big
8: giraffe.
1: and it's amazing to see what he's gone on to to achieve as well. Um, yeah. and it, Definitely one
4: of the nicest fellas you could meet as well, off the pitch. Yeah. Like but, really, really down-to-earth fella.
1: I, I suppose another big sign in that season was obviously Paddy. Um, when did he join? Sort of at the end of the run, I think, didn't he, or towards the end of our the losing run? Um Was, it was a little was bit he, later than that, wasn't it? Uh Well, it's, think... his first. Well, it looks like his first goals he scored were uh, home He's against Colchester, yeah, in October. So
4: yeah, that was on loan, and then he just signed permanently, didn't he? Because yeah, that's he right. Yeah, in January, because um, I can remember when I had the phone call saying, "Oh, we signed a lad from Carlisle." on loan um we because normally you get told stuff early so gary said oh we're signing a lad on loan I was like, oh, okay he's got something about him like, okay so that's all he said normally he'd give us a name but then i had a phone call then from Adrian. and we signed the lad on loan i've got some photos and it's paddy madden from carlisle and i can remember saying who <laughs> yeah yeah you who? would do and i think most people did yeah um, but then obviously he hit the ground running straight away with that those two goals against Colchester.
1: And when, when he signed, did you, was there a feel, you know, you said about this feeling at the club and how you felt things were going to happen. Did he provide a lift? Did he, was it, did it take him time to sort of fit in or was it just like this guy fits in with this group straight away? And
4: Yeah, he, he fit in straight away. It was That was the thing Gary always used to say that he would do his homework on players to make sure that they wouldn't disrupt the dressing room. Um. And I think with Paddy, he he just blended in straight away. Everyone got on with him really well. Again, really nice fella off the pitch. Um, And then obviously Dawson joined as well. Um,
5: I was going to say, he must have felt comfortable enough to go and then get his mate along as well. Um, Whilst I'm here, Gaffer, I've got a mate who wants a job. Can you you have a look?
4: Yeah, give him the job. (laughs) It didn't turn out too bad either, to be fair. didn't, did he? No. But yeah, Paddy, they blended in straight away. Um, pretty much like all of the players that he signed that season um on loan. Matty Dolan coming in as well, he was another one. It just it just all all got on really well, generally did.
5: It wasn't quite all roses. I remember did Keanu Marsh Brown leave in a bit of a a bit of a hump. Was that the season where he got subbed off early on and then sent all the question marks as a tweet and everyone kinda of went, Oh, here we go. Was that one? That I think that was a
4: bit before my time.
7: Was it? Was that the season before I think
4: then? So. It might have been the season before.
7: Yeah, I'm just sure. trying to just trying to look. Yeah, I, I don't remember. Mar- I, I I think Marsh Brown was around because I remember that game. Was it uh, the first game I remember seeing Madden was uh, we played at Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury or whatever it is on a on a Tuesday night um, in a midweek, and he scored he scored twice, and I'm sure Marsh Brown played in that game as well. Yeah, um,
1: he, he was yeah. he was released by mutual consent in January.
7: Okay, so he was so
5: around
1: he for most of. He was there for a few months.
5: Yeah, I remember that Shrewsbury game because they had a cottage pie near. The yeah,
7: <laughs> they did, didn't they? Yeah? It, they was did.
5: Bloody, um, it was a bloody beautiful cottage pie. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was. That's absolutely how we used to judge delightful. our away
4: games. Used to judge <laughs> our away games on the press food. <laughs> you couldn't judge the so home we, games we like, on If it. we liked to, it, like, yeah. Oh, the home games used to have, like, a pie or
8: something like that. We used to and then that would Dave
4: a <laughs> That's what you're allowed to give. Or well, Pat Custard, bless her, she used to do a lovely uh, a lovely like buffet for us in the press room.
7: Ferrero Rocher.
4: Game yeah, Ferrero Rocher, Percy <laughs> Pigs, she used to make cheese rolls, all sorts. It was a beautiful spread. We got quite well known for it. And then... Uh, a certain old member of staff upstairs put a stop to it because he said it was all health and safety. weren't allowed to do that. Yeah. Oh,
7: no bullshit.
4: Of course you can.
7: <laughs> Probably too healthy for him, wasn't it? Too healthy for yeah. chocolate and Percy Pigs. Oh, no, no health food here, No, uh,
4: Cheese yeah, rolls. So she, yeah, Mr. Robson put a stop to that, so we weren't allowed it anymore, so we had to give out free tickets to all the press guys coming down. And they used to go to the tea bar and get a pie and a bovril or whatever and a Kit Kat rubbish yeah we need to
5: treat pat if you're listening we love you don't worry about it yeah that. we don't do pat. That. yeah we do
4: yeah she's she's wonderful
5: so let's let's talk about the the sort of the turn of the year then we've got through we've got out of that horrible run throughout october that shrewsbury game we went to crew and we were winning we were winning the games that we quote should have been winning but we still went we got dumped out of, out of the fa Cup to preston ed upson got sent off again we went to, to Swindon. Did we, was that live on the TV, that Swindon game? Or was it not that late? There was a, there was one, one on the TV and one wasn't. But we lost away at Swindon. We were getting horrible little draws. And then there was that run. We got thumped by Bournemouth midweek. And then we yeah. went to Portsmouth. And that run of games, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight wins in a row in the league against proper, proper teams. Portsmouth away. Sheffield United away. MK Dons, we battered Brentford. I remember battering Brentford twice. Didn't we batter them at their place as well? Quite early. Yeah, yeah. So by then, were were people saying playoffs, promotion? Were were the words being uttered? We've got a real chance.
4: I think behind the scenes they were, yeah. Not in, not in public though. I don't think I don't think you really see any team do you, come out and say. we're looking good for playoffs here or promotion. But I think secretly behind the scenes, we were like, yeah, this is especially, as you said, with the eight-game winning run that we had in January, February. That's when we seriously started to think, yeah, we're looking good here. If we can keep this going, finish higher and higher up, but obviously finished in the playoffs. But, yeah, I think behind the scenes, we were more like the – Office staff were talking about it. I think more than the playing side, but I've got no doubt in my mind they were they were thinking it as well because they knew how good they actually were on their day, and again the team spirit. So I think I think we all secretly were saying, "Yeah, we're in with a shot here."
5: And That was with with Paddy at his absolute best. I mean, three braces in a row. I think he scored. Is it five, six games in a row? Something like that. Was, Seven, yeah, maybe. Didn't he did he score in most of the eight? In in a few of the eight? And he did he
4: think, put on that partnership with Hater, didn't he?
5: That was I mean, that was that was literally my next question gonna be. Throughout the back end of that season, we were, had just that perfect spine of partnerships. You talk about Byrne and Webster, you talk about Madden and Hater, Edwards and Upson were doing something similar in midfield with the likes of Foley and Dolan and, and those guys around him. Just how important was it? Especially with a bit of context to this season, because this season we haven't seen any kind of consistency in that spine. Do you think that that was such a key part that we could call upon seven, eight guys and a chuck in Marek Steck as well just to be that level of consistent that often?
4: Yeah. I mean, if you look at the teams, you pretty much had a similar sort of 11 where you knew roughly who yeah. Gary was going to pick each week. You could, Nine times out of 10, you could write down the 11 and it would be more or less right. I mean, you, had, you mentioned there you had Marek in goal. He um, was just always going to be a number one, I think. Mm-hmm. They? Luke, Webby, Dan, they built out this, was that great partnership. And then the midfield, you could easily rotate it around. But whoever he was going to bring in was going to be as good, if not better, than what we had playing anyway. Um, so to have that depth of the squad, and again the team spirit of everybody wanting to, literally fight for each other, and fight with each other as well.
5: I couldn't get. Around. I'm just looking now at the um at the at the semi-final second leg program. I'm just looking at the stats actually, the amount of players that played significant amounts of games. Steck played all 54, Ailing 45, McAllister 42, Hines played 25. The most underrated player we may have had. In Definitely. I don't know how 100%. many years.
8: And
4: Absolutely. off the pitch as well. What, a, what a player.
5: Yeah. What a player. Chipped in with a few goals. Webster, 51. Blizzard, Dominic Blizzard, again, he's, he's clocked up 30 games without even really coming into many conversations with regards to that team. Upson, 49. Obviously, the playoff semi final will be his 50th. Aitor got past 50. Gavin Williams, 28. Ruben Reed, who left the club on loan for half a season, 20 five again. Sam Foley clocked up 50-plus. Madden, 37. Burns, 39. The squad list on the back of the programme, ours is about half the size of Sheffield United's, and yet ours just looks so much more consistent. If we'd have had more players and more choices, could that have arguably been detrimental to us, going into the back end of that season?
4: Yeah, I think maybe it could have done. I think the players knew they were, say, safe in playing. they, I think they knew that they if they put in the shift in trading, that they would they would get picked on merit as well. But they knew they had to be on the top of their game because the players waiting to play were ready to jump in straight away. But if we had, as you said, if we had more, I think we had a bigger squad. I think it could have could have mucked us up a little bit because you see, you've got too much choice maybe um, of players and. Maybe they would overthink who was going to come in. Uh, but I think he Gary had his solid 11, 12 players that he knew he could count on as you go through those stats there. I mean, miss off Jamie McAllister, I think he's probably one of the best signings that Yeovil possibly made in my time while watching, I reckon, being a fan. He was just on and off the pitch. He was a ball, Like he's a leader, Maka, yeah. and everyone looked up to him. It's like a father figure because he was a bit older but you knew you could go and speak to him about anything and he would then go and speak as captain or go and speak to gary and get get the point across of the players and i know a lot of the lads looked up to him and still look up to him now he was um he was a great member of the squad mac
2: awards
7: much like myself on this podcast really definitely you know, the father 100%. the father figure you know man and he and they ring me all the time you know <laughs> I, I go in and uh, and I talk to the boss, who's also Ian. <laughs> so, Jim, if you need to tell me anything, I'm here for you, mate. I'm here for you. Thanks, That's mate. I'll,
4: I'll message you. <laughs> Good.
7: Uh, so there was. I I want to ask something, Ben.
1: Let me step go, in. Go, go for it,
5: mate. Yeah, sorry. Go for it. Sorry. Crack on.
1: Did you feel like you know the as, as you get closer to the playoffs and and that attention starts to build? Obviously, the gates start going up and going up is there like a real buzz of excitement around the club you know is you're coming into work with a, a major spring in your step
4: yeah 100% i think in any job though if you're if you look forward to go into work it doesn't feel like work and certainly at that that time going into the ground i mean i was only meant to be doing one and a half days on my like freelance contract with them but by the end of before I went back in full time. I mean, I was doing so many more hours, um, but because I enjoyed it, loved it, and knew that we were onto something special. Um, And I think all staff members felt that as well. I mean, just, yeah, some of the memories we got of uh, staff nights out and everyone was close, not just the the playing staff, but backroom staff were all friendly as well. And they were generally mates. And the players made everyone feel like the, the um ticket office staff and ourselves, Dave Linney and everyone. We we're all just one unit. It was it was something special and look, looking back at it now, like earlier on when I was thinking about what we're gonna be talking about here, it's just like so many good memories from that year and the year after as well. It was yeah, it was something special. Definitely look forward to every day going in, that's for sure.
5: Do you Some funny that?
4: stories as well.
5: Some funny. I, I I want some more of those because there's there's one. Dave, you'll you'll be able to chime in with this. Jim, do you remember asking us to do some recording on the way down to the JPT <laughs> Trophy semi final? In case oh, for the late yeah. yeah, that yeah. random Tuesday night, Dave and I drove down. Dave came across from Preston to Leeds to pick me up, and we were we were trying to find pictures of buses of of of, of buses. National <laughs> that was no Express,
7: wasn't it? Right? National Express
5: buses. That was that was sponsored sponsor. by Wembley?
7: Yeah. So every we going we're going
5: to now- Wembley.
7: Going down the motorway, we uh, and Ben was making me slow down by every National Express bot so he could film the Wembley logo on the side of it. How we didn't die on that drive down, I have no idea.
4: I don't think we ever used that video, did we?
7: No. It it never saw the light of day. We went
4: out. We lost. My car insurance went up, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we never used it. I remember asking you guys to film it in case we went through, and then it it never... Got seen I wonder if I still got the footage somewhere.
8: Possibly. It'll
7: be it's an Oscar winner that Oscar. Oh winner. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I wonder what the Is footage
1: it? like on the way back would have been. Oh yeah.
5: Ninetieth oh, <laughs> so, minute, ninety fourth minute. I think it was either offside or it was handball. Mm-hmm. We've outplayed them. We didn't have Paddy on. Paddy was suspended, I think, or I think injured, or whatever. And so we never looked like scoring. We went out in the ninety twelfth minute or something stupid, and it just it felt quite low. But I, I look at it now and think, I wonder if we'd have gone through, and it, it has distracted us. We went on the six out of the eight games after that. If we'd yeah, gone through, it may through, have
4: been a bit of a blessing.
5: It may have been a bit of a blessing in disguise to go out to Layton Orient at that point. It's crazy. It, it yeah, I look back at it now and think I I I do think it, it probably was. Do you think sometimes I often think about. Yovel is a particularly hard sell to players and stuff. But do you think it played into teams' hands that they were coming to us, knowing that not only was it a billion miles away, not only was it in the back arse end of nowhere, but actually for once they were coming up against this actually very good side. It can't have been much fun for away teams to come down to us and get battered. Do you think you, and Preston probably are a prime example of that? Graham Wesley would have been. Happy to get them fired up, but I can't imagine they'd have been feeling that on a Tuesday night down at our place with a dodgy pitch and all the rest of it.
4: No, a lot of, a lot of clubs didn't like coming to us because there's no nice, really nice hotels for them to stay in either in the Oval area. So they would either stay at Taunton, which is 35 minutes away, um, or on the way to Dorchester at the St George Hotel on the A37, which again is 25 minutes away. And you you would always hear teams moaning, oh, we've had to come and drop the kit off, go back, pick them up, and then come and get, come back again. So like the kit man was moaning that they've had to do that. And then the players, you'd hear them going, oh, gosh, we stayed like 35 minutes away. Normally, we stay about five minutes away. So their prep was never really that great. And I, I said to you earlier, Ben, that I personally think that the pitch helped us that season as well. Mm because a lot of people didn't actually know, but our pitch was, was shite. It was like it was, it was like a beach. It really was technical that, yeah. yeah, technical term. Yeah, you hear the groundsman saying that. Um, <laughs> but it, it, was, it was so soft, our pitch was, that if you walked on it, you would sink into it a good inch or so, and it would just churn up and just have loads of bobbles on it. But I think that we knew, or we learned quickly how to play on it. So teams would come down and obviously try to play their normal games of passing it around or whatever, but actually couldn't because the pitch was that bobbly that they actually struggled on it and we didn't. Because I remember, um, I think it was older when Gav scored twice. He scored that absolute rocket for about world 30 world. Yeah, yards, yeah. I think, didn't he? But if you look, look at that footage, it's on YouTube somewhere, that when he's running with the ball, you look how much the ball was bubbling. And I remember saying to him after that it hit his shin. He didn't actually connect with it properly. And it actually rolled, one of those ones where it rolls down the shin and flicks off the end. <laughs> That's what I reckon happened with that. He didn't mean it at all. But if you, yeah, but seriously, if you have a look at that footage, it is actually like quite bubbly. And I think the pitch really helped us that, that season.
5: When did you start doing the, the filming? Stu Housley had his little camera following everybody around when did that kick in was that was that a very that felt like a gary johnson decision what when and and why when and why did that start happening because
8: that would send that would send
5: um... ocd around also all sorts of places awful awful
4: no well exactly that's why we tried to keep obviously kept it quiet that we were doing it because we didn't let other clubs know we were doing it when we were going filming there uh because you don't want to look big-headed and you say jinx it and then they could come back and say oh, they were there filming because they thought they were going to go up uh so stewie had his camera you know, what Stewie's like? He's like jeremy beadle um, with his camera <laughs> um, but he got some great stuff but you're right it was 100 it was a gary i know him and adrian were having chats about it um but we put the wheels in motion quite early I, I, it must have been about the end of february march time uh when we started filming i, I think and, I mean, you just look at the DVD that he did produce, Stewie, it's like eight hours long. <laughs> so long. He goes, I don't know what I can cut out. I was like, Stewie, we can't put out eight hours. <laughs> but some of the footage on that, because obviously, again, the just the teen spirit and everything, and with Stewie filming it, the lads loved him. Um, Yoel's know, own Dell boy, if they ever wanted anything, they would go to Stewie and he would find it. <laughs> don't know where he got it from, but, um, but they all trusted him as well. So and it's a, a big trusting with that sort of thing. like knowing that he's filming if they were to say something he's not going to use it um but yeah it was it was a gary decision to to start the filming and obviously he give us great access in the dressing rooms at half time and beforehand and whatever obviously he had the final say what went in it but i don't think much got cut out from the half-time team talks and i was fortunate enough to go into a couple of them one being the sheffield united first leg uh, at half-time I went down before he said, well, come down at halftime if it's rubbish and I don't want you in there, then I'll just say, no, don't come in. So I went down and he said, yeah, hey, you come on in, you come on in. Jesus Christ, I was so scared. <laughs> he gave him an absolute roasting in there and I stood there holding the camera like that.
8: <laughs>
4: yeah, it was honestly, he gave Ed pelters <laughs> at halftime of that game, absolute pelters. And Gary said when he scored that header out in the second leg, Mm, he did yeah. he can you give him at half time at Sheffield United made him play as he did in that second leg. Okay. that's he right. He said he like, was
5: one of the one of the storylines he said it was one of our storylines that they went over. He was a villain at Sheffield United that cost us a goal, but he's a hero yeah. today. I remember that line. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he gave, he absolutely gave him a roasting and he said he was great for that sort of thing Gary was, giving us the access because he knew that the final product would be actually a lot better if he give us all of this access but he was just generally brilliant at that media side of things
7: he did can i ask you Jimmy, about um sorry about uh about gary because you obviously as you say followed him to bristol city so uh and i, and I know you, you you still speak to him today i mean what is mm. it about him and uh, not not i say his ability to get teams out of uh out of the out of the non-league but what is it about his uh, his connection with the Oval? Because I know City got to the playoff final. It didn't have great shakes at, at either Peterborough or, or Northampton. But was it just that he fitted the club? Because I remember him coming and He was another one who arrived, wasn't he, from Latvia. And again, nobody had heard of him. Um, and we'd had, I think, was it Addison the season before And he came yeah. in? And we thought, oh, here comes another manager that's not going to get us anywhere. But it was like uh, immediately that first season when we got to the trophy final, it, you just knew there was something about him and the and the club, and it just, what was it? They just seemed to knit the two together.
4: It's a hard one. That's a very good question, Dave. Tell you're a, a journalist.
8: <laughs> award-winning. Award award, <laughs> award <winning>, sorry, <laughs> yeah, award-winning award yeah, Thank journalist. you, thank you.
4: Yeah. Um, I, they just, I don't know, they just seemed to fit each other. I know Gary got on really well uh, with the chairman as well, um, and John put a lot of trust in Gary and let him do Basically manage the club, um, and I think that's what Gary enjoyed doing as well—is bringing the club up. Um, yeah, that's a real, real, tough one. I think, yeah, they're just a good couple. I think they just seem to seem to get on. As him and John Fry had a really close relationship as well. John trusted Gary with any decisions that he would make; he'd back him a hundred percent. And I think Gary the same with John. They both. Yeah, they both respected each other, got on really well, knew what they wanted. Uh, Gary certainly knew what he wanted, and nine times out of ten, he would get it as well.
7: Yeah, I mean, you hear about these managers, don't you? And I'll, I'll I know the Liverpool fan, and you'll hate me for this, but the, 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 the Sir Alex Ferguson and Martin Edwards or David Gill at Man United, you've got those strong uh manager who knows what he wants and knows how to get it, and you've got the chairman, like you say, that's just willing to support him. And I know that, you know, John Fry's had his critics and, and still does have his critics and, you know, some, uh, a lot of that criticism is fair, but I, I would also say that, you know, John Fry, it was, it was, a, he, he was, and I'm sure still is a, is a, is a good man. And I think, um, a lot of, uh, like I say, a lot of it was down to him and his willingness to do it. And, you know, there were others, you know, John Goddard Watts obviously before him and, uh, you know, other, uh, Norman Haywood as well. Um, but, yeah, there was a there was a lot off the pitch that seemed to make it all come together as well. You obviously as well. Yeah,
4: obviously, yeah, obviously I had a massive part to play in you know all going up to the championship. <laughs> Huge. It was all down to me.
5: <laughs> when the, modest. when the <laughs> when the playoffs <laughs> were sort of confirmed, and it was Sheffield United. Well, what did you think? Because I remember thinking. We've done these in this run that we went on. and I'm not scared by Sheffield United. And I found that absolutely bizarre because in 2007, it was Nottingham Forest. We had no right to beat Nottingham Forest the way we beat Nottingham Forest. They're, they're Nottingham Forest. They've won the Champions League. I don't know if you've been aware. Yeah, they, they never mentioned
8: it.
5: Twice, <laughs> apparently. Um, yeah, twice. Um, but there was no fear about Sheffield United. And even after that first leg loss, I remember, I remember walking out of there thinking, We'll score at home. This is fine. I don't mind losing one nil away from home here. This is, this is okay. Um, how did the club feel about a getting Sheffield United as opposed to to Brentford or Swindon, and did they have that same attitude of this is okay?
4: Yeah, definitely. I, don't, I on my Facebook, you, know, you get the Facebook memories. Mike about the other day saying just got home. It was like silly o'clock in the morning. Saying so just got home from Sheffield. Um, so we want to lines of happy with that. We're beat them at home. And I think the whole club felt that. Mm. And also, I mean it's well documented the, the flyers that they were putting out on the cars after. Yeah. Um, I think that was a big motivational thing as well. Um easy to say, like, look, they already think they're there. And I guarantee none I think all of our players knew. We were still in with a massive shout, and there was just that belief going into that second leg. I mean, crowd that was there, just the noise, and yeah, it was something special. Wasn't it? We, we all believed that we were going to turn them over at our place.
5: I keep forgetting how quick a turnaround it was. It was Friday to Monday. Even yeah. this year's playoffs, they've got sort of five, six days in between the games. But it was a really I think that helped turnaround. us, though. Well, I was, yeah, I was I just about to ask, was it just yeah. kind of you were all on this whirlwind for 72 hours of playoff hysteria, there's tickets flying out the gates and all the rest of it. How did Hewish Park feel for those 72 hours before Sheffield United turned up?
4: It was mad. I, I think I was, apart from the Liverpool FA Cup game, I think that was probably the longest I spent at the ground, like hours-wise working. Was the build-up because the press interest was massive we had sky down and obviously everyone knows how small the press box is there trying to cram everybody in ticket we were all helping out with the tickets and again it was just you felt like a big family helping each other out it was it was long days but then obviously with the result it was worth every every minute it was uh, yeah it was something special the build-up to it was i think it, I enjoyed that more than well no, I wouldn't say more than a game, but I enjoyed it as much as winning. Like the build up to it is always good because then especially if you win, if we lost, I'd probably say it was it was crap. But um because we won, the build up to it makes it all worthwhile. Like all of those hours that everyone's put in, you can see everyone's absolutely knackered because of the time they've put in. And a lot of people volunteering up there, helping out as well. And seeing them after, like in tears, because we're going to Wembley. We just beat Sheffield United. It was, yeah, it was good.
5: Dave, did we drive down the day before? Did we drive down on the Sunday, or did we
7: go down that morning? I'm trying to remember. Um, I, I, I mix it up with. There was another game where you, me, Easton, uh, Stephen, uh, Dolbach, uh went drove down, but I think that was a Championship game, wasn't it? That was the last one of the championship where we needed to win. That was Barnes' uh, championship. Ah, right, yeah, that yeah, was
5: Three points or bust, wasn't it? That was that uh, one. Um, I, I, but that one, I think, we went down the night before, and might be right because I, for some reason, think that because it was a lunchtime kickoff. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, early kickoff.
5: And I don't think I, I don't think I slept. I think I was up and sort of ready to go by about 8 o'clock in the morning. Is it too early to go up and sit in the tent and have a beer now? Is that kind of thing? but at the same time i think it was there was so so few nerves it was just i just want to get on with it now and it, even, i i i wouldn't have made it to 530 absolutely no chance if it was a late kickoff. it I was would, almost like a, crumbled
1: it was almost like a celebration before we'd even won the game it was a party before wasn't it it was a party yeah. like in the terraces before the get ball had even been kicked off it was it was i think such... that helped as well
4: i think i think the players i know we did we picked up on on that in the press box, that the the atmosphere beforehand was like a party atmosphere.
5: The ground was full I, very early.
4: It was yeah, and it, it, I think it made the players maybe a bit more relaxed. Mm. That there, there there was such a like positive atmosphere around them. And I know people always say that the crowd play a massive part, and, and some people say, "Oh, it's bullshit." The players don't don't listen to all of that, but. They, it does make a massive difference.
1: I think we know that even more now after this. You know the way yeah, football's true. been this season. Um, yeah, yeah. It's sort of I'm thinking back, and it reminded me of you know the games where we'd where we'd gone up and the days we were getting the trophy. It reminded me of that sort of feel before the game. Um, you yeah. Know, without you know, even though there was, was not, like that
4: game, it might be a little bit of the, the Lincoln one where we were getting the trophy against yeah. Lincoln. I think Sodji scored that game. It had that sort of feeling to it. Do
5: you think do you think Sheffield United reacted to that and almost felt like they were 1-0 down rather than 1-0 up when they turned it? Because they didn't start very well. I mean, obviously, everyone knows Kevin Dawson's six minutes in. But as Don Goodman in the press box said, Sheffield United hadn't touched the ball for six minutes.
8: Yeah.
5: Do you think they just kind of... They weren't expecting it. Was there an arrogance from them? Was there a complacency from them? Or were they just not expecting Yeovil to look like it did on that wonderful sunny morning?
4: I know that press guy, Kev, uh, lovely fella, um, he was really nervous before the game. And well, he he wasn't sure which way it was going to go. He wasn't confident. I know that from speaking to But they're seeing their fans and speaking to a few of their fans outside, they were already at Wembley, so I don't know if the players were thinking that as well. I think I know their, their fans certainly thought, "We're there, it's little old Jovial down there. We've got nothing to worry about. One nil up, we can hold on to that." And then obviously after six minutes, they ain't really touched the ball, and Dawes pops up, gets a bit of a nosebleed that far up, and uh, yeah, it all goes from there then, doesn't it?
5: So where were you at this point? Physically, where were you? Were you press box or were you in the I stand, was, hidden away?
4: Uh, press box for the first half, um, making sure everyone was settled over there, um, and radios all working and things like that, and make sure their ISDN feeds are working because notoriously they wouldn't work for the when we had three people there. So having 30 people crammed into <laughs> that little press box covered in pigeon shit. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a bit,
7: it was, Welcome to Somerset. You knew,
4: yeah, you knew something was going to muck up, um, but thankfully it didn't. So the first half I was over in the press box. Second half I was behind the director's box bit at the top by the music. Uh, stood up there, but I, yeah, I, I know what you're going to ask in a minute.
5: So. Well, uh, well uh, yeah, I am. I am going to ask a question, but I do want to ask a serious question as well. How, how hard was it to even think professionally about ISDN lines and things like that? Because you've talked about this family atmosphere between players and then including the staff, and this was a moment for you and for for AD and for all the others for for people like Pat Custard who had done all the voluntary work and all the rest of it. How was it for you, for you, because they were out there on your behalf as much as anyone else's, how did you, mm-hmm. what, what were you feeling as the game was going on?
4: Uh, it's hard to stick because being a fan, obviously when you're in a press box, you're meant to be professional. I think every Yeovil Town goal, I would cheer at away games. I would be up, shouting. Um, when I was doing co-commentary for BBC, I remember once Spittle said, if you're going to shout out, just move the mic away because I would just hold it there and like just shout,
8: shoot, (laughs) shoot,
4: shoot shoot." and he was like, move the mic away so I'd get carried away, so it's hard it's very hard, but you know that you've got to try and be professional and like trying to sort stuff out, so if you do get a call to like, something's down over the other side and you think, I want to watch the game, you know that you've got still got a job to do, and if you try to look after the press because obviously they're writing about you and you want them to write nice stuff about you and to file back their reports, being, being nice and you want to be a friendly club, friendly and be known as a friendly press guy that welcomes everybody in. But it is bloody hard. It is so hard to remain professional and not cheer. Definitely.
5: How I I, I remember distinctly feeling when Paddy puts that header over. Immediately, all my confidence, all my assurances that we would that we would be fine at home suddenly there was that question mark of hang on had he just missed an open goal for about three yards and then for the next 10 minutes nothing but tension it was it was so so difficult to get any kind of concentration I mean Dave you were Ian Ian where were you for the sort of last 10 minutes or so physically
1: <laughs> uh, edge of seat with feet just going bouncing up and down um, <laughs> as yeah yeah, I think. or oh, I probably I could have been standing up because I was. I'm always on the back row, um. So I could have been standing up, being very. You're restless. allowed to stand up. The
4: stewards would tell you off. <laughs> <laughs> not on equal lines,
1: please. They, they were all watching the game anyway. <laughs> yeah,
8: that's true.
5: <laughs> yeah, I Dave think... was still moaning about his scars on his leg. I right? had blood oh, streaming no. oh, down no. my leg oh, every episode. Here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> and then, still drive and then me home, though. you did drive me home, mate. You did, yeah. You so, hero. I, I know, taking one for the team Action now. man. So I, I guess the question then is, Jimmer, where were yeah. you for about 85 minutes onwards, mate? Uh,
4: so I was at the top of the stairs, behind the director's box, and I thought, it's going to extra time. I am absolutely dying for a pee. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, now's my chance before it goes to extra time. So I darted off down, on the top floor down there, so you go through the doors to the second right, into the blokes stood there, unzipped, got the old man out, went for a wee mid flow.
7: Thanks for the and detail.
4: There was, yeah, that's right. <laughs> There's a chap two urinals two up from me, and we stood there and mid flow and I hear a cheer, and mate goes someone scored. It doesn't sound that loud. I think it's Sheffield, and I'm like oh no oh no so like and i was desperate and like it's one of those times where you think hurry up hurry up i just couldn't stop so <laughs> I, i'm still going mate he goes he didn't wash his hands he rushes out but then i'm still going he comes back and he goes it's us it's us ed scored that's ed, ed scored i was like yes so like trying to finish go out and like jump up Old and down man's but,
7: still out <laughs> yeah <laughs>
4: Get thrown out of the ground, um, <laughs> but yeah. So I managed to finish, go back out, and I bit, by the time I got back out, they were just kicking off again. But obviously the the noise and like just seeing everyone jumping up and down a director's box, and yeah, it was I was gutted. I missed it. I mean, I've seen it a few times now, but yeah, I was, was uh, go yeah, I was going for a wee. <laughs> <laughs>
8: so I missed
7: it. Some story. So, we talked about
5: the quick turnaround between the two semi semi-final legs. There was an almighty wait in between the semi and, and the final, like 13, 14 days, I think it is. Yeah. Um, what, what was that night like? What was the rest of that day like? It was an early kickoff. They obviously had a couple of days off, I think I'm right in saying. Am yeah. I all right in suggesting that the players, the staff, and anybody within the vicinity of Hewish Park might have had a fun time that day?
4: Yes. Um but it was their end of, it was the lads end of season due that night. Um so whatever result Stuart Housley had organized a pub in Yeovil to be closed. one of his friends was the landlord. No one knew that the lads were all going down there, so basically they shut off your Boy closed his because it was a Sunday, closed the pub, all the lads went down there, a few members of the backroom staff, um, a few members of the office staff as well um, so we went down to this local pub and basically everyone got really really drunk uh, <laughs> so yeah it was it was good though it was like it just everyone was there just having such a good time a few beers were flowing and yeah it was it was a good night we went into one of we went into Wetherspoons after so we left there went into Wetherspoons and, uh, Angelo Bellanta, <laughs> was 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 with us on loan from q p r uh so we're in weather, we're in weather spoons people are eating their like roast dinners right <laughs> oh, God, so bad it, people are eating their roast dinners like families like just sitting there roast dinners sausage and mash like you doing spoons <laughs> well angelo had, had a few as we all had, and was buying bottles of champagne right, <laughs> and then just popping the corks and just standing there at the bar just going. <laughs> spraying all these people oh, no. in weather spoons yeah honestly they were drenched some people were right with it a lot weren't um but then you turn your back we were all, we were all soaked you see turn your back and then all you'd hear is the popping of another cork you'd think, oh shit here we go again <laughs> and he you just, just spray it everywhere and he we went up chicago rock and he was doing it up there um,
7: how much money so did this bloke have was it cheap champagne the,
4: he was yeah he was he just put his card behind there I don't know what he was on at QPR but it was Jeez. a lot more than what the oval were paying that's for sure <laughs> yeah but he was sprayed all this champagne bloody funny well we found it funny I don't think the people eating their roast <laughs> <is it. laughs> but then we went up to, then we went up to Chicago Rock after and uh, I, I've got it on video somewhere I won't say the players but we were all singing all singing and going and I'm holding my phone up filming and someone. Sam Foley comes up to me and slaps my lifts up my shirt and slaps my belly really hard and you hear that. And it I had a handprint for about a week where Sam had <laughs> hit me. Dan Powell, kit man, technical kit director. <laughs> <laughs> go back from your last week's podcast. I put that up on the website of a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still yeah, there.
7: And they've never, yeah, really?
4: they never changed it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I did that. I was meant to message you about that when I heard that last week. Um <laughs> So, yeah, in the middle of Chicago Rock, everyone had had a few. And, again, the floor was like a river where Angela had been squirted, all this champagne everywhere. Um, Next he sees a couple of the lads on the dance floor, and one of the players come flying across, two-foot lunge on another of the lads. And if he he did catch him, but looking back at you, you, think imagine if he had actually done some serious damage to him. And this player was out, and he was one of the lads that played pretty much every game. And the other lad nailed him. I've got it on video. It is brilliant. It is, I often send it to him on WhatsApp. To say, remember this? They're like, you could never show that. <laughs> I could talk about it because I've never named them. <laughs> but if you were there, you would know who it was. But yeah, it was. That was a good night. It was um, brought everyone together even closer. I think that night as well because the- everyone was there.
1: Were all the players sort of living locally as well? Yeah,
4: major- yeah. Um trying to think. Yeah, they all were, yeah. Because I know, all, you know, the,
1: the conference season, you know, when we, you know, that team that Gary built, there was a real point to make them all buy into the town, all live in the town and all be part of the yeah. community. And I think maybe what we, you know, Dave sort of touched on earlier, it seems to have a real drive to make sure everyone is part of the you know part of the community and they're together whereas perhaps now we don't see that players live away players commute players aren't you know right in the thick of it with all the residents of the town
4: yeah i know um because i obviously i live in bristol i would share a lift down with joe edwards sometimes so we'd switch driving and physio mics so we would switch the driving sometimes to go down share lifts but on a build up to a match day, they would all stay down and would definitely be in the town. And Joe eventually had a, had a flat down there as well as his place up here, uh, so he could stay down a lot more after training and, and things like that. So I think the majority did live in the town. And the loan players, I know the club got houses for the loan players to all like live together. Um I'm sure they got some stories of that as well. Actually, there's one way. After one game, um, I had a phone call. It must have been about half eleven. It was—I forget who we'd been playing. I was sat at the ground on my own, in, like uploading the videos before I was driving home. Phone went. Matty Dolan, Jim, you haven't got a ladder ladder a what ladder for because we we were all locked out of the clubhouse and we haven't got a key but the windows open upstairs can you get a ladder from the you know the stand and bring it down yeah all right so i'm driving down preston road at like half 11 in my clapped out car with this like 12 foot ladder on the top like holding on to it like that <laughs> on, just holding on to it like, and, down. and then we had to set, i forget who they sent up to go in through the window. They, I, I, I would have no it but I would have got stuck in it. Like, my leg dangling out, but they sent out one of the slimmer lads to go through the window because they locked the keys in. Someone shut the back door and then locked the keys in they didn't realise.
7: You call Stuart yeah. Owsley Delboy? boy. That's straight out of Only Fools and Horses, that,
4: isn't it? That's true. I think Stewie would have been the next call because I'm sure he would have been able to pick the lock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy.
5: So let's let's talk about Wembley then. Um, one thing I noticed that, that Gary and the Overboys did that Brentford I believe didn't do was take a day beforehand to kind of acclimatise, to go and have a walk on the pitch, do the whole touristy photo things There's, there's wonderful pictures that of, of, of all the lads with their mates sort of figuring out where the family is sitting or the rest of it. Do you think that helped? Do you think that helped sort of just allow match day to be professional match day?
4: Yeah, definitely. So we we actually went up two days before. So the did first
5: train at Ch- did they train at Chelsea for a day or two. Uh,
4: yeah, yeah. So they went up. The team went up. I think on, maybe even on the Thursday. Um, trained at Chelsea. I think it was Dan got thrown into the lake. Um, that's on the video. That is uh, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't happy. Uh but we stayed in one hotel near Heathrow for the first night, I think it was, or first two nights. Um and I could settle and were away from family and could probably concentrate. Uh, but then we did go to we moved hotels closer to Wembley, but then did the, as you say we went on the, the tour. So they all knew where they were going to be sitting, they could visualize where they were gonna be sitting, they knew exactly they had their family tickets. So they could then see the seats where their family were going to be. So when they walk out, they could wave to them rather than looking. It's only a small thing, but rather than looking around, trying to find them and worrying if they're there or whatever, they knew where they were going to be sat, exactly where they were sat. So as soon as they walked out, they could see them. And I think little things like that did actually help. And see, I mean, everyone knows Wembley's massive. But when you're stood in that centre, I was lucky enough to go with them on the bus to that bit. When you're walking out there, I mean thinking about it now I've got goosebumps now, it is bloody massive. And it wasn't even full, there was like three people in there cleaning. But you you imagine like walking out there and we had like forty six thousand people there screaming. I mean, it would make you shit yourself a bit, I think.
5: I've um, I've been lucky enough to do the tour. I did the tour once, uh, just on a random like Tuesday, I think the other day, out in London for whatever reason. And even then, you get the feeling of, Christ, some things have happened here. I remember sitting in one of the change rooms thinking, there's been some players in here, there's been some moments in here, and it happened to be the Oval dressing room. I asked the guy, I was like, do you remember which dressing room this is? And who did this? And then they went, oh yeah, yeah, we we keep lists, we know who was here. And, and I was like, fuck, I'm in this Overall dressing room and stuff, it, it doesn't. It, I don't think it ever gets lost when you're in a, a place that is, is massive, it is unfathomably yeah. massive. And it looks it when it's empty, it is huge. That tube yeah. thing that goes across the top of the arch is is ridiculous. And so, yeah, it's monstrous.
4: Yeah. It's a massive stadium. But I was lucky, like from the uh, hotel, because I drove Gary's car up, um, because they had the uh, LMA awards dinner that night so he he needed his car so I didn't actually go up on the team bus up there so I drove his car and then stayed in the team hotel the night before there's a story from the night before as well that a few suffered from food poisoning I don't think it's ever come out actually um, a had to, yeah a few of them had the two bob bits <laughs>
3: Really?
4: <laughs> <laughs> Include, including my roommate Mr Hopper <laughs> um <laughs> wow so right i uh, i woke up we stayed up and had a couple of drinks like this backroom staff did as we always did it away games went to bed fairly early because we had to be up early and everyone was like a bit nervous uh went to bed and i i just fall asleep straight away well, i woke up about midnight what the hell's that noise is adrian being sick in the in the loo he comes back in because i feel a bit better now goes to sleep and he was snoring like a train like, and I, and I, like what I, I'm knackered here I can't go back to sleep. I put my headphones on and uh I remember it was 1975 I was listening to their album and it just went on and on and on and kept I had it on loop and I couldn't sleep. So in the end I got up about quarter to four that morning had had a shower and got dressed into my match day suit. And when I sat in the lobby, <laughs> about quarter past half quarter past four, I was in the hotel lobby and I, I fell asleep out in there for a little bit. I was awake pretty much from half past four and I still blame Adrian for a crap night's sleep. So I was knackered the whole of the day. <laughs> but I drove Gary's car, which is quite nice because he's like driving up and obviously all the fans were there and that. and Yeah, it was. I followed the bus, bus along. And it was just it was great because I was on my own like just trying to take it all in like as well and thinking I wonder what the players are feeling like sat on that bus seeing all the fans like welcome them in. Um, but luckily, as you said earlier, Ben, we went on the the tour beforehand, so they knew exactly the route they were going, the timings, uh, just everything. They when because when you go into Wembley, like you drive pretty much underneath it all the way around the bus park bit, and it seems to take ages. Um, that so they knew how long that was going to take. Like there was no questions of, come on, drive, hurry up, hurry up. They knew exactly what was happening. They knew where their seat was in the dressing room. The walk from the bus to the dressing room. They knew exactly where they were going. So there was no, no asking like a steward or which way are we going. They heads down straight in, concentrate. They knew exactly what they were doing. That is
5: that is nth degree, isn't it?
4: Was this all yeah, down it to Was look- this all down to Gary? Pretty much, yeah, I mean his in his coaching staff, it was yeah. just I think he kind of been there, done it type thing. Um I think before they used to use Mark Lader a lot as well, like in the conference whether you picked up stuff from Mark from years ago as well, and it's just mind game type things and a lot of you know, a lot of mental stuff, like thinking about stuff beforehand, visualizing it. I know he did the same with Adam Stansford, didn't he? At Villa Park before the playoff final, um, the trophy final, yeah. Uh, so it's that sort of thing of just making sure that they prepared right and were mentally right and ready for no distractions. Basically, they were they had their mind on, on that game, and that was it. They had nothing to worry about because they do worry, oh, it's my missus here or oh, my family here? They could go out, they could see they were there during the war, but they didn't have to keep looking round and distracting them from their warm-up and what they had to do in that 90 minutes.
1: It's quite a nice segue from an Adam Stansfield mention there, I think, into the the start of that game and, and Paddy's goal. I seem to remember us all starting a song about Adam. There's only one Adam Stansfield and then a few seconds into that song, Dang. Paddy smashes it into the top corner. It was just uh, another, like, an ama- we had an amazing moment on Tuesday night, but... That was another one up there that is just etched in the in the minds of so many Yeovil Town fans. That in that moment, Paddy scored, you know, probably the best goal Yeovil have
4: ever scored. Yeah, it was. Uh, again, we were in the in the press box. You tried to keep your professionalism. And that was right <laughs> out of the window.
8: Yeah. <laughs> forget <laughs> I remember, that. Forget that. Yeah, honestly, I Not was up,
4: saw it. I was up, jumping up and down. <laughs> because where we were sat you've also got the little monitors so we had the replays and everything but just to our right down a couple were the brentford press guys and i got to know mark quite well mark chapman he's left there now but i got to know him quite well so he was like i was cheering and then towards obviously towards the end he was like come on hold on hold on but he felt a bit bad because you're cheering because he's like kind of one of your mates and you feel really guilty for celebrating and that but you know it was just sat there in that press box, looking, looking out over all those Oval fans of that, and oh, it was something special, really was. I
5: have a, I have a question from inside the changing room now, Jim. Did James Hater get a touch?
4: I, I would claim it, wouldn't you? Of course you would, but... Dear but dear. Yeah, I think it's Dan. You ain't going to argue with Dan if he stood over you. I mean, the height difference between him and Jane <laughs> Pater. You just looked down at him like that one, he goes, my goal. <laughs> Did you know that yeah, a little fact about Dan Byrne that he's missing a finger? This is right, right hand?
5: One. Right
4: hand? Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's that one, his his ring... I think it's his... Ring yeah, it's his right hand, hand. and is that one there, because he lost it when he was a kid. He had a ring on, and he got it stuck on a fence, so they had to take it off. So... Dan Singer's when he shakes hands before a game, he would use a little stub of that finger there and tickle the other bloke's hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he did it to me when I first met him, shook his hand. It was like, ugh. <laughs> lost my finger. But that's what he does. So when he shakes people's hands, he, like, tickles them with his little stumpy finger. So if you look out sometimes down I don't know if he still does it, but he may look around. He may see a player look around and what's he doing? <laughs> yeah, a bit of a random fact for you, know
7: scored against man city the other week didn't he yeah did uh, the it. other day so uh maybe he did that maybe he, like psyched out pep or something
4: pep tickled him with his little <laughs> finger.
7: that's what won <laughs> it that's the edge yeah you definitely
4: <laughs> none of this pro zone crap it's all Dan <laughs> burns finger <laughs> at the end though but like at the end of the game if you're in the press box and your club staff so the media teams the rep from the EFL comes over to you and says, do you want to come down pitch side ready for the final whistle? Or do you want to wait up here? Because they shut off the steps down. Because you've got to go back inside because they shut off the steps because it's where you go to get the trophy. So bang on 90 minutes, they stop it. So no one can stop the team going up the steps to pick up the trophy. So me and Adrian were sat there. was like, do we go? We're 2-1. Do we tempt fate and go down? And the Brentford guy said, no, we'll stay here me and Adrian were like what should we do what should we do now let's go so we both went down and we were in the tunnel but then we didn't realize that they shut the doors to the uh, to the tunnel area so in between the dugouts they actually shut the doors so you can't see the pitch so like, well, where are we going to watch the last bit like, this is a massive moment for us what's going on so we had to go into the dressing room to watch the last couple of minutes and then obviously the he put up the board and it's like, come on, blow your bloody whistle, mate. Come on, come on. But in the end, we like, we shouldn't have done. We said, I sod this, let's go out. So we just like went out and opened the doors and stood in the tunnel when the final whistle went. But I'm glad we made that decision to go down because, yeah, being there when that final whistle went and watching everyone celebrate, it was a moment I'll never, ever forget.
5: You, you made it onto the pitch?
4: Nice I did, program, yeah.
5: Paddy? um
4: yeah there's a on, on sky sports news <laughs> yeah am i
5: right saying that you weren't
4: supposed to be there well one of my jobs after adrian had the camera but because he didn't have the right uh bib he didn't have a bib on and he didn't have the right number on his pass he wasn't technically allowed on the pitch of the camera but he, he just went on anyway, and like the EFL got a little bit funny and said, You shouldn't be on here. He goes, Oh, come on, it's a one-off thing here. Like give us a bit of slack. So but he so he was on there taking photos. My job after was to speak with Mick, who works for Sky, who's like their runner type bloke, who grabs the players afterwards. You'd often see him in on the tunnel now at Premier League games and that grey-haired fella. Um so he would say to say to us. We'd like to speak to Paddy, man of the match, goal scorer. Can you grab him before he goes off to the thing? So I said, yeah, that's fine. So that was my job was to go onto the pitch to grab Paddy for the Sky interview. So I could see him running away. I ain't going to keep up with him. I'm a lard so uh, <laughs> And I wasn't going to be running in my brogues on, uh, on Wembley pitch, that's for sure, because I'd end up on my backside. So I'm shouting to him, Paddy, 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 like real shouting, whistling to him. He eventually turns around and he just thought I just wanted to celebrate. So he runs over and jumps up on me and gives me a big cuddle. And I'm like tapping his backside, like jumping up and down. And then I thought, <laughs> Sky, want you, mate. Is that all right? He goes, oh, yeah, no worries. And then grabbing Sky and <laughs> go over and do interviews. Got lost in the moment a little bit.
8: <laughs> but not many me. people can say me. they
4: were in that position. I mean, I talk about it regularly now. My missus gets so fed up of me talking about it. And whenever they show the playoff, because obviously Sky show it loads, don't they? Like the replays of that the forest game and things whenever it comes on if someone i know is watching that i often get a screenshot is that you <laughs> yeah my brother sends it to me all the time like on our whatsapp chap i must have hundreds of photos of just me and paddy there <laughs> just cuddling but i thought you many... meant the
7: missus got fed up of you patty paddy madden's backside
4: yes yeah. <laughs> <You know, she'd laughs>
7: possibly that. Play, actually <laughs> like dawson I don't know why like... Come on, this so is a much. family show, family show. Yeah, family it? show. But yeah, it was, I obviously mean, I'm
4: so thankful I was in such a privileged position. I mean, people cut the right arm off to be where I was there. And then to be on the pitch when they're picking up the trophy, so close to everybody and like seeing my mates up in the stand that I've been watching the Oval with for years from when we used to go home and away in like the late 80s when I was five or six. We stood on Wembley possibly with Yeovil's greatest ever achievement, it was, uh, it was something else. I mean, uh, I cried on the pitch, and I looked up my mum's at Yeovil last, and she'd been watching Yeovil since 60s, 70s. My dad's a scout, so say that quietly, but um, he's been watching as well since he moved down to Yeovil. My brother's a Yeovil fan, is 2 are as well now. So to be on that pitch when they picked up that trophy was so emotional and looking up to and see my mum there was crying because she was like, wow, he's on the pitch and the overload won. I don't know what she was more happy about, actually. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that just goes to show, you know, like the relationship between the players and the staff and just what a massive team effort the whole, you know, the whole situation was and how close everyone was as a club and it, you know, you know, that, that story is just, you know, a pivotal moment. Yeah, really. it was, it's
4: amazing. It was. It was. Yeah, it was. In as I said at the start, of the You felt part of. You felt part of it. You went distance away for from the team, from the playing team. You were. We were all one club. We were Yeovil the Town. There was no playing staff and office staff. It was chief by unity, and we were all one unit. It was. Yeah, it was something special really was
5: i think the fans i think the fans felt that as well i think i probably yeah. went to more games towards the back end of that season than than i would have done otherwise if it, it had been a, a mid table thing just because you felt like you felt like they needed us to be involved as well and dave yeah. was probably volunteering to drive as well so it was <laughs> it was um
4: hero.
7: yeah absolutely here <laughs> i don't say it enough. Um, <laughs> What? Blood streaming down my leg. Remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
4: all right. Still. So,
5: <laughs> Ian, Ian, where were you sat for the final? Were you directly behind the goal?
1: Yeah. So we were in the singing, the singing section. Yes. Yeah. It so stood the whole time. You, uh... My granddad just had his knee replaced. Um, my mum was there. I had a mate come with us who I was at uni with, who was a Charlton fan, but was, you know, adopted Yeovil Town for the day. And ever since has kept an eye on Yeovil. Um, yeah, so we were stood for the for the entirety um, because everyone else was stood, so we had no choice other than to. It was amazing.
5: Do you remember halftime?
1: I don't know.
4: I do because the grub in the press box was amazing. <laughs> <laughs>
7: <laughs> Shrewsbury cottage pie, amazing.
4: Or... Yeah. On a, oh, it was on like a... a big big platter. It was great.
5: Uh, I... On a scale of one to seven?
4: Oh, 100% seven
5: oh seven out of seven (laughs) yeah don't get many many of seven.
4: i would give it an eight out of seven wow
5: wow yeah
4: it was good uh
5: so i remember half time ian i remember half time because you and i had known each other but i don't think we'd ever spent massive amounts of time in each other's company i think we'd both kind of noticed each other through maybe social media and the fact that we were Yovel fans that were doing bits and pieces for for websites and helping out i've been freelancing, underline the free for Jimmer for a a, a little bit. Um, Very free. I I did get a few away tickets. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to go moaning too much. Um, But I remember stood there and everyone's filing out to go get their, their drinks and their hot dogs or whatever. And for some reason, I remember it still to this day, you and I clapped eyes. I was about 10, 15 rows behind you, I think. Yeah. And not a word was said other than just a big, sigh a big puff of the cheeks of we're fucking tuning up here mate (laughs) what the hell's happening here and i will will never forget that because i feel like every single one of those twenty thousand people were feeling that same thing of looking around going is this is this real are we has someone checked the score is this allowed are we actually tuning it up and there was that almost that disbelief because let's let's get down to it Brentford were better than us on the day. We just happened to have a superhero in goal who saved about three hundred chances. Let's be brutally honest. It was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful performance from Marit Steck. We had two chances and, and took them. But yeah, it was oh, it was so tense. It was so tense. Ninety minutes, the final the final but well, the final forty from when Harley Dean equalized. Oof. That felt like about a week, didn't it?
4: <laughs> yeah. Massive.
8: I
5: think
1: I think that the having gone there a few years before, and the heartbreak of Blackpool where we just didn't turn up, yeah. to then have that polar opposite feeling as well, like that just added to it. Like it was just such a you know another thing we've we'd been to Wembley on a pissing down day and had to walk miles because the coach we went on was parked like didn't park at the stadium, and it was a real like miserable journey home. To then contrast that with beautiful sunshine winning the game and just an all round amazing experience. Like it could not have been further from the first time. And it, yeah, just, yeah, it's just amazing to talk about. Something bothers
4: me. You mentioned about Marek there. He got man of the match, didn't he? Yeah. So he, he got presented with his man of the match medal on pitch side. Does he not get another medal? Well, that's the thing, right? When he went up, he said to the person given the winners medal, Oh, I got mine. Oh, no. bothers me.
8: And oh, I've never
4: that... I've never checked to see if he and it and I clocked it not it was only a couple of years ago. I thought he said no there, and that was his man of the match medal. So I don't know if he actually got his winners one as well. Wow. Did you pick but up a spare? Yeah, I'm gonna say if there's a spare line around
5: Jim, <laughs> you, that's yours, is it? Well, yeah, I know,
4: that? yeah. I would have shocked I'll tell you I've got some memorabilia from other stuff, but not one of those. I would have uh <laughs> put that in my pocket with dad being a scouter <laughs> that's for sure <laughs>
8: oh, <laughs> he'd
7: be <wow>. so proud
8: <laughs> that's my boy <point.
6: laughs>
4: yeah
5: <laughs> so what were the celebrations like after after that then
4: very good the um the dressing room was something else you saw some of the clips we did on the uh dvd and i filmed and we put stuff up of gary getting soaked and just the celebrations in there It was just it was amazing the bus trip home i was due to actually go because i drove gary's car up my mum and dad were there and my wife as well so i was due to go home with them but then webby said oh no come back on the bus you're coming back on the bus with us so I cleared it with the wife and she went back with mum and dad and say cleared it I did ask her permission I'm no, not brave enough to say i I'll go back on the bus <laughs> um just in case she's listening in there um yeah so I went, I went back on the, I was lucky enough to go back on the bus none of the coaching staff did because they all went to the LMA um dinner that evening in London uh, so it was a bit of a free-for-all on the coach um we were on there and I, I remember turning around we'd just left Wembley and it was a bit quieter because we'd all stayed behind a little bit and we drove out, and I turned around. I thought, "Bloody hell, was that?" It's just some random bloke on the bus. It <laughs> turned out it, it turned out it was Webby's brother. It, one of Boywyn's brother was on the bus as well. So got to know him. We had a few beers on there. But we stopped. It came out the other day. Actually, someone mentioned it the other day when when we left because it was a Sunday. All the supermarkets were closed. They closed at four, and we had banked on going to the supermarket to clear out their booze aisle. Because there was nothing on the bus. Uh, So the driver of the the team bus found an off license around the corner, parked on double reds. (laughs) So, like, all these cars were beeping. We all come off this thing, go into this little Indian bloke's uh, boozer. Like, uh, uh, we're all in there just helping ourselves. Like, okay, crates of lager, cider, walking out with like pay. Obviously, we all paid in. James Hater had the money. But the the bloke was rubbing his hands together. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, trying to add up what everyone was. We we cleared him out. Again, Angelo Balanza. Oh, no, no champagne, thankfully. But he bought this bottle of cognac, right? It was like 50 quid, 50, 60 quid, this cognac. It was a round bottle like that. And yeah, he paid about 50, 60 quid for it. It was like 80% stuff. And he just sat there with this little like glass bit he had, and he was just sipping it away. Uh, and he drank pretty much the whole bottle from Wembley back to Yeovil. And, uh, yeah, I remember Stuart Howsey had a sniff of it, and I think Stu was drunk after just sniffing it. He's yeah, no drinker,
8: Stu. But, yeah, alive, he was, uh, think? yeah,
4: yeah. He, honestly, I, 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 yeah. He drank the whole bottle of this cognac. Just sat there with his feet up, he was, just sipping it away. <laughs> Matty Dolan was on the, um, me and got the Cherry Lambrini, classy. <laughs> classy. Yeah, classy. North East yeah. 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 so it, but, but the bus trip home was brilliant because when we got onto the 303, a lot of the supporters' coaches had obviously stopped at Fleet, but we had carried on going. So we were catching up with the supporters' coaches, so we were going past and everyone was up all singing and waving to all the supporters on the bus. On the way back, I had a phone call from Amy Lewis, who was the Sky News presenter at the time for our area. And she said, Jim, uh, would like, we're, we're at Hughes Park waiting for you to get back. Um, can we grab a couple of players? Like, yeah, that's fine. No worries. No worries. That was about when we were at Stonehenge. Oh, no way. That would have been a liability. So we were about Stonehenge when she phoned, and everyone was pretty tipsy then anyway. Well, it just went downhill from Stonehenge back to Hewitt Park. Oh, it was bladdered. And uh, Dawson and Paddy weren't drinkers. I mean, Paddy would have a couple of WKD blues and would be anybody's. He was on his backside after a couple of them. Well, we got but, back, right. she also wanted to speak to Paddy. Yeah. <laughs> she wanted to speak to Paddy. Well, he tried to go off the bus, and I don't think that interview ever got aired. <laughs> he was a bit worse for And then Gav got off the bus and Stu, Housley, was really protective of the footballs. So if one went missing, he would know about it. Stu would know about where this ball was. Well, Gav got off and obviously there's fans waiting for them to get there. Gav got off the bus being the joke of the year, just opened up this ball bag and just kicked all these footballs everywhere. So the fans are <laughs> picking up these balls, like, running away with them. Stuart Housley's chasing them. Kind of like, no we need them. We need them. They were like, "That no, was the last game, Stuart. Get new ones next." Year. No, no, we need them. We need them back. He's chasing people for these balls. Knowing Stuart, he probably took them on and flogged them to someone. <laughs> but yeah, that interview from Sky, I don't think ever got aired because I think they were too pissed.
8: Oh,
4: and the night out was
5: pizzas. Something else.
4: Oh yeah, yeah. They were um they weren't drinkers uh paddy that's for sure I don't expect he's uh does now either but yeah he was um a couple of day couple of day wkd blues bottle of reef or something like that that's what he was on
7: <laughs> classic guy so the night out
4: was the night out after that was good as well so we went into town after after that just turned into like a three-day session nice. literally we were yeah we down in in town, and obviously the atmosphere around in in Yeovil, because most people went out after, was something else. There's a photo of me and Joe Edwards, again, in Weatherspoons. We were allowed back in after Angelo's antics, (laughs) um, because we did get thrown out. Uh, The um, Joe, someone peanutted me, because I still had my suit on. So someone pulled my (laughs) tie down really, really tight, and the knot was, like, so small. I couldn't get it off. I had to cut the tie off. (laughs) I wanted to keep that as, like, that's my Wembley tie. But they out, and it's so hard. My missus I was so drunk. Sarah had to take me home, but <laughs> I had to cut it off. She had to cut it off because she thought it might choke me in the sleep.
5: <laughs> it was uh, it was yeah. Luke Ayling on a on a Sky Sports podcast who said it was just a three day it was non stop. Nobody went home. It, was, no. it wore the same thing yeah. as you wore when you left Wembley, it was just for three
4: days solid. Yeah, pretty much. We went in the armory in Yovos which is up by the hospital. And uh, that's where basically we met the, on the Monday morning. We went in there at opening time and basically we just stayed in there, which was quite good, really, because the landlord said, if I let you go anywhere else, you're, you're all going to be on pub watch. <laughs> 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 I walked in there, right? And I walked in, Gav sat in his pants. <laughs> it's like 11 o'clock. He's, <laughs> he's in his pants and a shirt. I walk in and he rugby tackles me, right? As I walk through the door and they had a coat stand that apparently had been there for years. I walk in, he rugby tackles me, fall into the coat stand and the thing snaps. <laughs> the landlord just goes, Oh well. I've been there years. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a pretty much a free for all in there. Yes,
1: yeah, so I used to I times. used to frequent the armory. And uh yeah, yeah, the landlord was there there was very lenient and at the time I, I seem to remember. We had,
4: a, yeah, it, we had a few all-nighters yeah it was it, I mean we were chucking some money behind the bar so he obviously wanted to keep us in there but <laughs> yeah. looking back it was probably a good decision for us all to stay there because it got it got messier. I mean Jordan one of the um, lads who helps out on the maintenance side he's still out there now helps James in the stadium side of stuff he was asleep on the roundabout at the hospital <laughs> <laughs> his mum they had to phone his mum to come and pick him up and it was about one o'clock in the afternoon My
7: mum at work. Yeah. we need to get jordan on the future show like yeah, yeah, about, yeah, yeah, he, yeah he,
8: was, he was
4: asleep his mum someone had to phone his mum and she had to come and pick him up <laughs>
8: Credit. yeah
4: so that goes like again he was like one of the maintenance staff and but was involved with the playing side. It was, again, going back to what we said earlier, everyone was just one one team, one unit and all together and generally all felt as mates as well.
5: How early did you plan the bus tour through Yeovil after the final, before the final? Were there I any plans put, put, put in place? In,
4: yeah, beforehand. I think they had to, um, to get all like, the roads and that all sorted yeah. out. That was hard though. The bus trip was hard because a lot of people were rough and like, sat on the top with that wind going. <laughs> and that was, again, that was like being part of that again, um, driving along and like stood there when people, you look down and you see your mates and like your, your family and that and looking up, shouting at you. And I'm not a player or anything, it's just a backroom member of staff, but you, you're looking down and seeing your mates and your family there and looking across the. All those people when you went, when we were around the corner by um, Burger King there and by the bus stops and it was just it was heaving yeah. and people were hanging out the windows and yeah it was that's something I, I know a lot of the players still still talk about that now it was like that feeling when you went around the corner you were unsure how many people were actually going to be there no one no one really knew we didn't know what on the buses like how many people were actually going to be stood stood there imagine you went around there and there's like twenty people <laughs> the right knobs weren't you. We went round there and like they were going. It is busy. And then like looking down across it all, and the photos and the video shows it was, it was something else it really was.
1: Were you, were you there for that, Ben or Dave? Were you, were you around or were no, you? No,
5: I was. I was back up north by then. Yeah. I was back in Leeds. I've got. Yeah. I got my dad to send me copies of every newspaper. The, the obviously the Gazette, the Chard, the the free local ones. They all had splashes of all the pictures and stuff. Yeah. And I've kept everything from that season, everything from that season in one big folder. And Did... just to look back at some of those images, are just, I didn't know there was that many people in Bloody yoga <laughs> or anything else. No, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I... I,
4: I'm the same. I've kept everything. I've got um, programmes, team sheets, all sorts. I mean, some of the stuff I, I actually gave it away the other week, but uh, Gary put out pictures of Wembley in the dressing rooms. So like Wembley lit up and all on perspex boards probably about a3 in size and just put them up and obviously the players weren't interested in them so afterwards i got one off the wall took that with me and then got all the lads to sign it so i had like a signed squad literally everybody signed this arch wembley lit up um but i actually gave it away to a young lad the other day for doing loads of charity work and i've got so much i say crap it's not crap because it's like loads of good memorabilia stuff but we live in a one-bed flat and my missus like we gotta get rid of some stuff so i think my mum and and dad have got loads in their spare room with like champagne bottles from manager of the month awards that gary just left behind and said Yeah, you can have that if you want and if all sorts if
1: ben's wife if if ben's wife listens to this podcast she knows she's (laughs) gonna know what's coming
5: their way. there's a big
7: shed coming
1: <laughs> <laughs> all this yeah. in
5: yeah exactly i've got i've got loads I'm, I'm still determined to set up some sort of museum in the future i keep buying stuff on ebay i've got to stop yeah <laughs> but yeah well, i that,
4: could help you with stuff mate
1: that that day in the town center I, I mean i was there in the thick of it and it it was like it, it was amazing i think because the, the last time before that would have been you know, I would have still been a kid in secondary school when any of that was going on, and all the, you know, the buses came round to the schools at that time. Um,
4: yeah, I was on them as well, actually. Yeah, I remember that one as well. Yeah, going round and yeah, we did the school tours, the college, and all of that, and yeah, it was, just, it was something else, wasn't it?
5: Yeah, it was. So, I've never seen the trophy itself up in person. I feel like everyone else in Somerset has, but I have never. Actually, been in the presence of the trophy. Have you, you? I, know, I had no? it in my car
4: boot for about a week. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly,
7: was Ben uh, not in the car boot? No.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I had it in my car boot. I had a day and I had this, the trophy, in the back of my car for about a week. Because <laughs> when we were going around on like the tours and that, and we were going to do individual players, and nine times out of ten, I would be with them. So they said, "Well, you might as well just have the trophy." It was meant to be under lock and key. I mean, but yeah, it was in the boot of my boot of my car for a while. That's locked. Yeah. There's some. I, yeah, know, I can some say it was a lock lock and
8: key. <laughs> yeah, technically,
4: but there's some some liquid went into that trophy. I can tell you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah no, it unbelievable. Good. It was heavy, actually, that trophy. You know, quite yeah. heavy. Was it? But
8: then it went back lift, at the end it? of
4: the season. It went back, but they never used that trophy again because it went from whoever the sponsors were to someone else. So that trophy would never get used again. But they took it back and we they give the club like a replica of half the size. It was pretty crap really. But the original was up up in the ground for ages and in the boot of my day. <laughs> <laughs>
5: There's your strap line for the, uh, the for the podcast, Ian. Oh, well, at the moment,
1: I, at the moment, I've got got my old man out. I got the old man out <laughs> as my strap <laughs> line. <so>. <laughs>
6: <laughs> Love it. Oh my word.
4: <laughs> well, I there think are so well, many like so many stories though of um, like behind the scenes stuff that I think Stewie captured on that DVD really well. Um, but there's obviously like stuff that that happened that you can't talk about which you would love to but you obviously can't like yeah town after dark
8: yeah yeah
4: and i've i've said it before that i I would love to write a book and i started doing one like behind the scenes stuff but it's remembering who was involved in it and things like so now i wish that i kept like a diary of games and stories funny stories. i'd never do it to like Throw anyone under the bus. It would be like good funny stories from in the dressing rooms and tales of away games and in the hotels and things like that. Like, have, have yeah, you got
1: any some, um some great ones. shareable Gavin Williams pranks from that season? Because I've heard quite a few from the conference season that he played. um I wondered if
5: there's any
4: from that season. Yeah, there's one. I mean, the booking of the, the final,
5: the the booking of the final is pretty good
4: just booted yeah.
5: it out of the stadium didn't he
4: there's one i'm not sure if it was it's not from that season i mean there are, there's one story that jumps out but i can never say that because it was it's terrible um <laughs> but there's uh one from uh i think it was league two and we were away at south end and so after a meal before like on a friday after maybe go for they would normally go for a walk somewhere and i'm sure it was gav it might have it wasn't him. I, I don't know who it was, but Gary had a phone call because there was players walking around naked on the floor of their hotel with BB guns that they bought on <laughs> Southend Pier. <laughs> so I, I, I'm pretty sure it was Gav that he was going on shooting people with these BB guns naked, and they were on CCTV. So the manager had a phone call. <laughs> And this is another actually another one of Gav. My first ever away trip with the Oval when I joined them was away at Rochdale. And I think we played on a Thursday or a Friday because England were playing the next day. So we went up the night before and stayed at Bolton's Ground at the Reebok. They had a hotel on there. And because it was my first ever away trip, I was rooming with Steve Reed, the youngster Stephen Reed. Yeah. So I go down and have something to eat. Go back up and Reedy goes, don't use your toothbrush.
0: Oh,
4: Why? Gav's done something to it. Don't use your shower, gel. Why? Gav's peeing <laughs> it. <laughs> right. Thanks, Reedy. Okay, right, okay. So we then go down the next morning. Oh no, it was that night. We go down and have have a drink or whatever. Go back to bed. Literally everything is upside down. <laughs> everything. I said to Reedy, what happened? you went, I let Gav in. <laughs> great thank you <laughs> 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 but you need characters like that though I mean he, again he was
1: yeah I mean the yellow oh, card the, the yellow card from that final will go down in, in legend won't it Just
4: yeah and you can see what it meant to him after as well like he was in tears after Yeah. like a lot of us were but yeah you can see what it generally meant and what the club means to him He meant everything I think to him like being known taking that yellow card and then in tears after. He's, he's not the type of character you would think would show his emotions like that either, Gav, I don't think. Um, but he certainly did at, the, at Wembley.
1: Well, we've been talking for a while, eh? More than an hour and, and know, a half. And
5: uh... and I feel like we could go on for another yeah. hour and a half yeah. and talk championship <laughs> and everything beyond. But that's probably another podcast for another day, if <laughs> you yeah. be told. Um, oh. Just so amazing to relive those moments. I love, I love yeah. it when those on this day things crop back around, or when it randomly pops up on Sky Sports Mix at about three o'clock in the morning, and you just happen to be watching. I am not moving for that next hour. I am enjoying this and taking it in. It's um... maybe they might
4: show that if I'm ever rooming with Adrian again, God forbid, but they might show it at three a.m. when I get up and get dressed and go in the hotel lobby. I might be able to watch that. <laughs>
5: I like to think Adrian's got to press play on this for Three Valleys Radio as well, and he'll have to <laughs> suffer the fact that he's getting roasted by Jim on this. Jim, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I, it's been an absolute pleasure. on a On a personal note, you and I have you've you've helped me out no end, and I like to think I've badgered you enough fucking times for enough rubbish and crap and stuff that we've done. But to even just be the tiny little part that I've had alongside you, with whether it's writing bits for the website or doing whatever to feel how close I felt to a team that I had never stepped in in a room with I can't it's been so amazing to hear how close you felt to the guys that you were in the same rooms with in amongst all that success I love I've loved hearing that side of it because it's yeah so so amazing it's
4: it's nice to hear that I mean the clubs like yoga wouldn't survive without people like you guys doing this during my time when I worked there, Ben, you writing, like the previews and stuff like that. Is just, it just helps so much. And obviously the, the stuff you guys are doing now with the Glover's Cast stuff, and the website, the news stuff, just keeps everyone up to date as well. And I mean, Sam's doing a great job for the club as well, but he's on his own in there. Um, probably limited resources, I know what it's like. So you guys doing this is just helping the club publicity-wise. It's just It's just great. You guys just keep keep going, keep going, and you've got an award winning journalist helping you as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
7: what? Hey? <laughs> so I fell asleep. It's getting, it's getting late now. Yeah, it's late for you, isn't
8: it?
1: Well, yeah. Thank you very much for your time, Jim. I really uh, massively appreciate. It. It's been really fun to reminisce. No so much, I like... enjoyed it. Um,
4: it's good Jim, to reminisce again.
5: It is Jim? What's your Hello? what's your meal what's your meal deal of choice, mate?
4: Oh, yeah big question is a tough one uh probably drink wise fanta which one? Oh, orange all day long yeah, oh really
7: orange fanta.
8: yeah
4: okay. well if there's sometimes but around here you struggle finding the lemon Oh,
7: if, it's a, no, I... day,
4: if it's a hot day i would have a lemon one because it's quite refreshing Correct. Um, answer. Oh, it's nuanced, man.
7: this choice. I like it. It's thought got it today.
4: Sandwich wise, if they had it, beef and horseradish. Ooh, Left
7: if field.
4: if Left not, field. chicken and bacon.
5: Solid so far. Then, this is a solid,
4: this is a uh, solid meal. Deal. Don't ruin it now. Wise, probably an apple.
8: <laughs> <laughs> no way. No <laughs> way. <laughs> no. Do
4: you really think I would have an apple? Look at me. Um, it apple. Would probably be. Oh, Doritos, I reckon, or maybe Favourite. some Quavers. Uh, Dorito wise, probably the spicy ones, chili heat red It's yeah. a solid. Or, it's a solid. Or sometimes though, I do go in and just try to get the most expensive stuff just to see how big the saving is. I don't care what Let's the eat. sandwich is because I'll eat, I'll eat anything as you can see. So I'll just go in and just find the most expensive thing and then just show my missus a receipt. Look how much I saved. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like cheese and pickle. So <laughs> I made a hell of a saving.
5: I appreciate that uh, thought process. That's a, that's a solid meal deal to end this podcast on, by the way. That's solid. That's a solid five out of seven. Right. like it.
1: Five out of seven. There really. we go.
8: Hmm.
1: Well, thank you very much for your time, everyone this evening. Really appreciate it. We'll, uh, We'll do this again for sure. This has been a right blast.
7: Yeah,
5: cheers, gents. Really appreciate yeah. it.
7: Thanks, fellas. Looking forward to it. Cheers.
5: And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Stark slams it in. There's
2: Lindegaard making Forrest back pedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris, he's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis, he could win it, he probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal, what a
5: start!
4: Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead.
6: Stansfield, good turn away from Tron,
8: goal!